Amen. Thanks, Tim. Good morning to you. Good morning. So there is, we have to be real about it, don't we? There is a massive divide in our nation at the moment. There's just, it, it's terrible. I mean, there are, you know, the arguments, the fighting, the battling, the claims of uh, truth or untruth, you know, some people saying that certain things are fake news. It, it's just a terrible time, isn't it? This moment in, in December in, in Advent. Would you just turn to your neighbour and just confess, have you put up your decorations yet or not? Just turn to your neighbour. Please don't fight. First picture. First, first picture. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. There's, uh, there's no shame. There's no condemnation. Okay. Hands up if you have put up your Christmas tree and decorations. Okay, you're right, but no condemnation. Put your hand up if you haven't yet. Oh, well done. Very good. Now, put your hand up if you haven't put them up because you know it's Advent and that's the reason you haven't put them up yet. Well done. Up the top. David, I'm wrecking. David, some over here as well. Well done, another David. That's really good, isn't it? Do you know what? I, I really sense that um, for us as, as the Church of Jesus at this time uh, in, our, in, you know, in the world's history, um, there's a couple of seasons we really need to recapture. That One of them is, is Lent. That's coming up. Maybe there'll be lots of traditions in the Christian church where that's uh, really something that, you know, is, is, is so central to them. But perhaps in, in our tradition, in this kind of church, maybe we just need to really recapture Lent and, and that season of preparation uh, in the run-up to Easter. And the other one is this season now of Advent. This season of anticipation, this season of, of looking forward to, and we're not looking forward, I'm, I'm sure many of us know this, we're not actually looking forward in a sense, are we, primarily to the coming of Jesus as a baby and to celebrate his first coming. We're looking and we're living in the light of and we're thinking about and we're asking God, the Holy Spirit with us now to say, God, what does my life look like? What can it look like? What can my life be in anticipation of your return, Jesus, your promised coming again? What do our lives look like? What, what could they be? How could it be if we have a heightened sense of anticipation, a heightened sense of trust that Jesus has said, I am returning, I'm coming back.
How do we recapture this season of Advent? It, just like Lent, actually, for Christians down the centuries, it's been a, a season of examination, self-examination. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't go off on a, a course, or, but we just come before God in this season and we say, God, have a look at my life with me, please. I, I want to know what you want for me in my life. I, I've seen, and, and perhaps it, it's even more obvious to me what the world can offer. It's all right, Coca-Cola's coming. John Lewis advert, little advert. You know, we're so aware of what we could potentially buy off a shelf, although we're acutely aware of so many who can't buy anything off a shelf. We kind of see so vividly in this season what the world can offer. And we don't, we don't get down on it. We're not called by our God to, to be puritanical and down on Christmas and down on having fun and down on the best that this world can overflow with. But we just know it's not all there is. It's not, it's not what really makes a difference. It's not where we really put our heart. It's not where we really put our hope. And we say to God in this season of Advent, as we do in Lent, God, as J. John the evangelist says, God, you're not applying for the job of God. You are God. And so we're still. And we listen. And we wait. What are you saying to us, God? Last week, Tim spoke about one of the great themes of Advent, hope. If you haven't watched the talk, I encourage you to. Tim O'Leary spoke brilliantly in the evening as well. Living in the light of hope, living with hope. Hope that, that means we don't quit. Hope that means that we can push through situations. Because, because waiting is never easy, is it? I know there are people in this room waiting for um, the results of tests. I know there are people waiting in this room for something new to be revealed in terms of work. Some of you are waiting for family situations to change. You're, I met someone on Friday night who's waiting for their child. They're praying for their child to come back, come back into relationship with Jesus. Waiting is, is never easy. 
and living living in between times as, as we do. We live in between when Jesus came for the first time and his kingdom comes near. His right rule comes, scripture tells us. The kingdom of heaven is near. We've sung about it, but also it's not yet. We know this, don't we? We are in between times. Eternity has begun, but here we are still with a foot in the reality of this world, in the, in the time-limited world that we're in at the moment, a foot in both camps. And sometimes it feels like you've got foot on two different travelators at Heathrow Airport, one going a bit faster than the other. But last week we were reminded that in this waiting, in this in-between time, We can wait with hope. And today is our second Advent theme, just as we try and capture a bit of the season before we let ourselves go with the carol singing next week. Our second theme is faithfulness, that God is faithful. What does it mean to live expectantly, to to live in this in-between time with all of its realities? There's not a one of us in this room who doesn't doubt at time. There's not a one of us in this room who doesn't wonder if God really is God. There's not a one of us who doesn't wonder at some time, God, why is that happening to that particular person? Or why haven't you answered this prayer when you appear to have answered that prayer? And I thought they were pretty good prayers, both of them. There's not a one of us who hasn't cried out to God and say, I'm not even asking for myself, God. I'm asking for that person or those people. There's not a one of us. But we can wait. We can be in the in-between time. Living in hope. And living with a God who is faithful. We do live in a time where we struggle to know who or what to trust. On, on Thursday, I suspect a lot of us are not going to find it easy which box to tick or any of them. Maybe one or two here, but I'm not going to find it easy. I'm not going to tell you which one I'm going to tick. There's not a one of us who doesn't struggle to know what's true. How can I trust? Who, where is faithfulness? There's not a one of us in this room that hasn't had some experience of unfaithfulness. But we are able to say we are a people of hope in this in-between time. We are a people of faithful God. Faithfulness. There is one who can be trusted in every circumstance. There is one who can be trusted even if things appear to contradict. God is reliable. Let's read some words together. Words of hope shared thousands of years ago, words that were expressed in a season when people were waiting, when people were struggling, when people were feeling that God had had left them, was cut off from them. They, They directly knew that they had 
created this circumstance and this situation. And here's what God says through the prophet Isaiah. Shall we read these words together? I know it can feel a bit clunky, but boy, there's power in God's word when we read it. So let's do our best. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. A really powerful passage. If you looked in chapter 39, you'd know that the context is the people of God uh, being in exile in Babylon. It being predicted that they're going to be prophesied, that they're going to be in Babylon for in Babylon in exile, that because of their sin, and it's directly related to their sinfulness in this particular case, God's judgment on them is worked out in their public life through the way that they are taken into exile. There's a brokenness that underlies, doesn't it, all of the challenge that we face. It's not always, is it, by any means directly connected to sin, but the brokenness in this world underlies. And these words come, and there's two simple words that I just need to pull out for us this morning. The first is that word comfort. It's, it kind of sums up the whole section of Isaiah 41 to 11. It's a word of tenderness. Tenderness into brokenness. Do you need to just hear that word? of tenderness into brokenness this morning. 
It comes from a God who throughout the Bible makes covenant promises, not not contracts. We live in a contract-driven world. God doesn't make contracts with us. He doesn't because he doesn't need anything from us. But God is a covenant-making God, a God who says, I will have this relationship with you. I will open this relationship to you. It's exactly like a, a marriage covenant. So many marriages go wrong because people understand them as contracts. They're not contracts. For better, for worse. In sickness and in health, I will be faithful to you. It's a covenant picture. And our God is a covenant-making God, and he is faithful to his promises. And whatever your circumstances and whatever the circumstances around us, God is true to his promises, and he says, comfort. My comfort is coming to you. This passage is, is full of tenderness, isn't it? As we got to those last verses, and they'll be familiar to us from the Christmas readings that we're going to enjoy in a, a few weeks' time. Uh, there is the promise of the one who, who lifts us up and bears us in his arms. Do you need to hear this word of comfort this morning? Hebrews 6.18, God cannot lie, nor can he break any an unconditional promise that he says he will fulfill. Right the way through the Old Testament, the prophets, we remind ourselves in this season of Advent, the prophets, one after another, speak into darkness, speak into situations, and they say, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. God's promises are going to be fulfilled. Comfort yourselves. With these words. And so we get to Matthew's gospel and we, we hear the word fulfillment being expressed by Matthew. It's the word that sums up Matthew's gospel that in Jesus, God's promises are fulfilled. There's more than 270 covenant statements in Scripture. And God is true to every single one of them. And it means we can live as people, whatever our circumstances, secure in the relationship that God has given to us. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God who has called you into fellowship, into relationship, into friendship with his son Jesus Christ our Lord is faithful. Are you here this morning without having truly accepted the promise of a relationship with God. You know about God. You've kind of been going out a bit. You've had a few dates. 
that he's offering you a long-term relationship. Have you actually said yes to that? Have you actually said yes? I will put my hope in this Jesus who died on a cross for me. I do quite like Christmas films. Quite. I'm married to someone who watches 24 Christmas or whatever it's called. Quite a lot. I love the themes in some of those Christmas films around the person of Santa Claus, Father Christmas. I love the idea, the thoughts, that you have to believe in order to see, which actually is a very faith-based, religious faith-based statement, isn't it? Often it's the children who believe and see. Jesus had something to say, didn't he? Many of us know about a childlike faith, not childish, but a childlike faith that believes and says yes and then can see everything that's promised. Have you been waiting for God to prove himself to you? Have you been waiting for God to give you a worldview, a sort of intellectual kind of answer in a way that perhaps you might think about other beliefs and things that you could imagine? And yet God is saying to you, actually, this is about relationship. This is about you saying, yes, I choose to believe who you are. And then I will see. Our faith is not a blind leap. There is enormous evidence to take hold of. But ultimately, faith is an action, a step, a decision, a choice. Whatever God promises will happen. It goes with the job description. Every promise of God, every foretelling of God, every prophetic word that you will hear spoken in every Christmas reading will come true because it has come true in Jesus' first coming and it will come true in his second coming. The kingdom of heaven is near. God's right rule in the world is being expressed. And one day it will be complete. One day there will be no pain and suffering. One day there will be no tears. One day every weapon of destruction will just disappear. Comfort in the in-between time. Isaiah 40 is full of power and tenderness. 
you just need to hear God say, comfort. Comfort. For Isaiah and for the people of the Old Testament, the presence of God is completely bound up with Jerusalem, with the city of Jerusalem and the God's presence expressed in that place. The promise in the passage for us is of the presence of God in our circumstances now. And shorter, the second word is to cry out, to shout. Did you notice that? You see, the thing about, the thing about God's promises is that in dark times they appear hidden. So in this season, in this time when Isaiah is writing, the people cannot see what's coming. The promise is there, but they can't see it. In the dark times, the revelation of God is hidden. And in this dark time, it can seem so hidden, the truth of God, can't it? I wonder if that's your reality again in your own personal life, in your family, in your friends, in your workplace, wherever you connect in life. Is there a sense of light being hidden? Well, the prophet says down the ages and scripture says and Jesus says, shout, cry out the truth. The comfort that comes from knowing the Lord. And I love the fact that, and you've noticed, I'm sure, haven't you, that, that this is the restoration of Jerusalem here in Isaiah 40. And then he says, from Jerusalem, go and shout it out to Judea. And Jesus, Acts 1.8, says, begin in Jerusalem. And then where do you go next? And then... And then the ends of the earth. Hasn't changed. God's presence in us, God's presence affecting those immediately around us, and then God's presence radiating out in every way that God has called us to serve. No one else can be you. No one else can have your job. No one else can have your relationships. No one else can have your family. No one else can have the opportunities that you have. You are perfectly equipped and called to be you serving God wherever he has placed you. And you need to shout really, really quietly. We need to shout really, really quietly, but effectively the truth. I'm not advocating all of us going into the high street and preaching. But I am advocating us to live differently. To shout by the way we live. By the choices we make about how we spend our money. By the daily patterns and the spiritual disciplines of our life. That's why as a church we've got our walking with God resources and our emphasis and our focusing on it. 
We shout the truth about God when we set time apart to pray, to read our Bibles. We shout about the truth of God when we spend our money wisely and well. We shout about the truth about God, about his comfort, his hope, and his coming again when we are at the forefront of issues to do with the climate. We shout about the truth about God and who he is and his redemptive plan for this world when we, when we don't shout in the ways that others do around political things. We shout when we uphold the right values at work. We shout the truth about God in our families when we are the ministers of reconciliation amongst our families and amongst our friends this coming Christmas. And yes, we do shout quietly when we say what we believe and why our trust is in the promises of God and how his hope and his strength and his tender care enables us to live in relationship with him. Please don't hear me saying that we don't use words as well as actions, but it is as well as. God makes concrete promises for a broken world. He is faithful. He can be trusted. He gathers the broken into his arms. He feeds those who look to him. Let's wait a moment. Father God, I just want to speak sweet words of hope. Tim's done that already rightly today, and I just want to add my my prayer for hope to be planted across the whole of this gathering in each heart. Your hope. Father God, I, 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 of course, I know that 
none of us can pretend to completely understand any other person's circumstances and the battles for hope and the struggles of this in-between time. But you do. And so in the name of Jesus, I ask, please, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you, would you please just minister to people in this room right now, just into any places of despair, where there's a need for increased hope, where there's a need to trust in your promises. I thank you, God, that you don't play games with us. And I pray that if for any of us we, we're really struggling just to see, to be aware of your presence in our circumstances, would you please, Holy Spirit, I, I humbly ask, would you give a heightened awareness, a new awareness of your presence For those of us who, who miss loved ones at this time particularly, who have experienced bereavement and the tearing pain of that just in the last period or, or longer back, God, would you come? For those, for those in this room who are praying so intently for members of family, for children, for others to be in relationship with you. Holy Spirit, would you, would you please come? Would you please come? I thank you so much for those who have been faithful in prayer without seeing much fruit, it might appear. But Holy Spirit, would you encourage them now, please? Thank you for your faithful prayer. And I do pray for fruit in people's lives. I pray people to come to know you, Jesus. <coughs> Would you plant hope and faith into us, please, this morning? If you're able to, would you like to stand, please, just a moment? We've got uh, 
a good chunk of time before we need to go and collect children and have refreshments or whatever else we need to do. So let's just use this time a moment. Um, For those of you who are with us for the first time or new to us, we offer prayer at the front of every one of our gatherings. And we just simply find that God honours and blesses and meets with us as we meet with him. And this bit of carpet isn't magic, but, but actually when we do something physically, when we step out, when we take that step of faith, so often God meets with people in a very, very direct way. So as a church family, we pray for people to be healed in mind, in body, in spirit. We love to pray with people in any circumstance, in any situation. So I'm just going to ask, Holy Spirit, would you just come, please? And would you come into some, come into hearts? Would we hear your voice? And I just encourage you, if if we can pray with you this morning, would you just come down to the, the front? Maybe it will be for an increase in hope. or Maybe it will be for somebody else who you're praying for. Maybe it will be for healing. It could be for a relationship. And I appreciate whenever I speak about relationships, and marriage particularly, that can be so painful for some. And I, 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 I appreciate that. And I'm, I hope you know the spirit in which we do it. But we'd love to pray with people. If you've got any broken relationships in your family or friendship places, I think one or two might want to step out and just be prayed for in your, your place of work or your family or your neighborhood to, to shout quietly the truth about who God is. Why don't you just come down now to the front? Thank you. And members of the church family will just come and pray. However God might be speaking to you, why don't you come? If you're going to be going into a family Christmas that's going to have some tension, you know that already. Why don't you just come and let God bless you, prepare you, give you strength. He's tender. And he's here to comfort. Praise you, God. Thank you, God. More of you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit of God, please come. Would some of the church family come and pray, please? If work is a bit of a battleground for you, God might want to comfort you. Come, Holy Spirit. Praying for children, grandchildren, desperate for fruit. God might want to come. Why don't you come and be blessed?